Hi, I'm Dirk Friel, co-founder of Training Peaks, and you're listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'll be sitting down with expert endurance coaches and amazing athletes, each with special stories to tell. At its heart, Training Peaks is about helping you create the best journey possible towards your endurance goals. We hope these stories inspire you to get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. Tim Ballantyne is founder of Koa Sports. He's a full-time endurance and esports coach. Thanks to his experience with the successful Koa Sports League, he is here to chat about esports and e-racing. Enjoy the show. Yeah, Tim, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am not in my closet. The last time we spoke, uh, we were on a Zoom call, and uh, I, to get away, you know, to a silent place in my house, I was sitting in my closet. And you guys, you guys started critiquing my wardrobe. I remember. <laughs> well, yeah, we were just having a look at the fashion, and given uh, I live in a place called the Sunshine Coast in Australia, you had a lot more <laughs> heavy jackets than than I. You guys don't have much of a wardrobe. I've just got speedos and t-shirts, basically. That's how we roll. So, uh, yeah, I love it. So, yeah, and we are coming into our summer now, our outdoor season. So uh, it is just starting to uh, kick up a gear. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I would love to feel that. And and would you probably be in Hawaii too uh, a few weeks ago, huh? Well, um, yeah, I, I suppose I would have been there as a coach, but uh, I um I was lucky enough to race about a month ago. Believe it or not, we actually raced an Ironman here in Australia, and um, yeah. I managed to get myself a, a slot for Kona twenty twenty one. Congrats! If it, uh, if it um if <laughs> Who knows, really? But the next Kona, right. I'll be there as an athlete. So looking forward Dang. to it. Dang. Congrats. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. So uh, looking forward to it, mate. That's for sure. But just so, lucky to get a race away in, in, in the COVID world, so to speak. But it was, um, yeah. it was great. Yeah. So so how reduced is racing down there? Do you have more coming up? And how yeah, is it getting, going? It's getting a lot busier. Australia, really, apart from um, a certain part um, in Melbourne there, the, the rest of the country has done a remarkable job, really. Um, but I always say that uh, our greatest defense is the fact that we're an island. <laughs> so in terms of yeah. stopping human movement, we kind of cheat. A bit like New Zealand. Yeah. So uh, it's just contained into, into our own country. But it has been a a most bizarre year and obviously um you know it will continue for a little time yet but yeah we've got events and i've got athletes racing all through apac now um most most weekends i've got a handful of athletes so it's um it's nice to write some race plans again yeah wow that's awesome i did see they uh, postponed tour down under and that's yep. probably because of the quarantine needed of foreigners 100%. coming in. That's because the field is is ninety percent international, right, or eighty percent, whatever yeah. it is. But uh, they can't obviously draw a draw a crowd. So I think that'll obviously be the, the you know being able to travel and the, how they decide to do bubbles. But that's probably for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're here today to talk about Koa Sports League and and your Koa Sports coaching. And I got to mention though, do you know what what KOA what what pops in most Americans' heads? Well, I would KOA? hope it, it's, it was a Hawaiian phrase for warrior. And uh, I hope that that's what comes maybe. to mind. But maybe it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what pops to your mind? Campgrounds of America. Okay. There you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah. So, so you look for a K, if you have a camper van, you look for a KOA sign, the next KOA campground, and do they have spots available? That's and, so funny. 
well uh, locked in <laughs> translation. But they, you guys do realize that camp starts with a C, right? I know, but they back in the 40s or whenever they made that up, they thought it was cheeky, I guess. The other cool thing is I have a my wedding ring is made out of titanium and koa wood. Ah, yes, that is true. And I get to tell you yeah. another fun fact is that what? Um, the abbreviation for the Kona Airport is KOA. Oh, true. Yeah. Wow. So we've we've kind of so when you fly to Kona and you have your yes. airline ticket, it says you know from wherever you from Hong Kong to Koa, and uh, we get that posted a lot. So um. So you're flying to a campground. That's right. That'll do. So <laughs> mate, yeah. But uh, look, it's funny how it all sort of came about. But uh, it's there's a lot yeah. more behind a name, as you would well um, well know. Okay. Well, the main topic of the day is e racing, esports league. Um, but how you know. Quite a few things, I'm sure, led up to that moment in time. Tell us more about the the coaching background and how Koa got got started. Yeah, sure. Well, um, you'd appreciate more than anything. I mean, the the league itself and getting involved with with esports or e-cycling in that context was just an idea. But you can't without good people. An idea is is really it just sits mm. on the shelf, right? So um, yeah. I actually want to go straight off the top and, and shout out because I'll forget it. I'm hopeless to uh, to Greg McDermott and Kent Cross who who played just an equal, if not more, of a, a bigger part in terms of heavy lifting to to run this thing as well. So um, you All know, right. kudos kudos to them. But um, yeah. look, I uh, I came from more of a funnily enough more of a corporate background, and I've sort of told the story a, a few times, so I won't bore people there. But sort of recognised a, a niche, and I was an age group athlete for for a coach that first of all um, this is not a knock, but truly understood what it's like to to have to work and travel and try and be a competitive age grouper. And I was really struggling to, to find that, that coach um, at various stages. And um, having done it myself, I thought that was um, a good start and a bit of a business background. So recognized an opportunity, pulled the ripcord and, and, and sort of dove in <laughs> headfirst full time and, um, and got it. How many years ago going. was that? So I'm just about to go into my fifth year of full-time coaching, um, and okay. I suppose every coach sort of dilly-dallies for a few years before that as well. But um, yeah, five five full seasons, so still very much early days, I suppose, in terms of a career. But I will say that, you know, um, I suppose you are at certain points of your life where you're a bit of a sponge as well, and um, yeah, not, not afraid to, to try new things. And, you know, Training Peaks was was not not just a, a bit of a, a plug here but it was clearly the the front runner and it kind of married up with my philosophy around um communication as well and and using technology so uh yeah just dove dove right in that way Dirk. well i think we all need to be sponges actually for the yeah. entire career you know education never ends and you know the evolution of the sport never ends and geez i mean you really or somewhat of a pioneer, you know, in this whole esports racing league. Um, new, I mean, it 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 feels like a new sport. You know, it is like I think of it as like indoor lap swimming versus open water swimming. You know, like there it. are you're not you know you don't see the world's best in both, right? And it's kind of like earned this respect is like almost having its own. It's its own thing, you know. It's its own entity, and I think starting out, it was. You know, some people look down on it per se. Oh, that's just a training, you know, uh, device. Sure. Um, but now, I mean, the best in the world in the Tour de France are not competing against the best in the world on esports. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a discipline. Um, without jumping too far ahead, I think there's a lot of layers underneath that. Um, I think, like anything, and particularly now, I mean, I look, you know, and speaking totally openly, it's got a hell of a yeah. long way to go. It's super exciting, and um, you know, I'm well aware that there were, you know, whilst you know we've we've certainly pushed ahead with some new innovations and new ideas and tried to make it simpler. There were people doing it a little bit before us, but it's just taken, it's sort of really scaled with, with how we do it as well. And, you know, I, I didn't like the exposure of, of a, a, an athlete base that was really localized. I thought that a diverse athlete group should things go a bit sideways, um, you know, is, is probably a good thing for a business as well. So, we quickly spread our wings across, um, and we still do in our over 30 countries in terms of our athlete um, spread. There was still this underlying need, even though these people weren't squad-type athletes, if I could put people into a bucket, which is a bit scary, but they still wanted a need of connection, um, and we felt that there was definitely a gap there, and they wanted to get to know each other. So we experimented with you know, with Strava groups and, and, and WhatsApp groups. And it just, it just wasn't really, it was very shallow. And, um, and that, but yet over half our athlete base was using this platform Zwift. And this is, you know, three or four years ago now. So it's not what it is right. today. And, you know, I just sent literally a cold email to, to Zwift dot, you know, Zwift at info or whatever it was. And, and away we went from there. I think timing is everything. And, managed to link in with a with the right person there and and um, well what did you pitch what was what was your concept well, well my pitch was to 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 genuinely you know, i've seen it in forums but to to have someone take the bull by the horns and and get a club functionality going use us as a test use coa sports as a test as a testing ground and let us work with our athletes that we you know know and and connect with and and sort of let's let's do it um, but that's how it all started. So timing and luck and all those things, but I'm quite a pushy sort of, you know, what, what's the saying? The selling starts when the customer says no. So, you know, I was, um, I was persistent, but um, I really saw an opportunity on a lot of fronts for both parties. So, um, and then I also saw a huge opportunity for, for training peaks to play a really important role um, in, on the side of things. So it's all sort of come together, you know, um, pretty nicely, but like I said, there's um, there's a hell of a long way to go, and certainly from a commercialization point of view, it's um, it's it's got a long way to go. Yeah, it's shown the opportunity that's ahead. You know, no the, doubt. the the opportunity is massive there. So, for those who don't know, I mean, how many race leagues are there? Are there official race leagues? Um, oh yeah, how look, how big I, are they? Honestly, Dirk, there would be um, there are there are hundreds, albeit though mm-hmm. some. Oh, sorry, um, some are. Are sort of static, if if that's a, a way to put it, mm-hmm. um, and some are well administered, um, and some are you know have a lot of attention. So I'd like to say, think that certainly our league in the ecosystem of leagues is is up there. Also, Dirk, you got to understand that you know one of the more difficult things is to satisfy the globe in terms of times. You know the times that the races are mm-hmm. on. You know, mm-hmm. so um, you sort of have to pick your pick your mark there as well as well at certain times of the year, right? And and so that listeners know, you you aren't making any money off the actual league itself. No, correct? so we no, we're 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 genuinely not. Um, that's yeah. for two reasons. Um, 
uh, one, we, we weren't allowed. Um, it was very clear, and, it, and it's clear in the terms of service, or was clear in the terms of service of Zwift, that you couldn't do that directly. That door has somewhat come ajar in the last six months, which I think is really helpful. Um, we still feel like we've got a little bit to go there in terms of shaking the tin. This is still very much a grassrootsy style project. I, I joke with Greg and Kent and call it a bit of a, I don't want to downplay it, but it's a bit of a school project at this point. But we know that, you know, in five to 10 years that there'll be quite a lot of meat on the bone. And I think that it can be a, a self-serving standing function of, of a business for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We all know some of the downside to this virtual world is the standardization across athletes, equipment, yep. software, prop, you know, is it really your body weight? What's your FTP? Yeah. And this is a somewhat of where training peaks kind of comes into play. There is no per se international performance passport that's standard across all these leagues and platforms, but this is somewhat the reason of why you're getting people on training peaks is that correct yeah that's right i'll I'll, um i'll I'll steal the mic for a few minutes here and just just go go back a second and so essentially we started with just just our own athletes so it was a league of let's say 40 people because my greatest concern was how the hell do we actually know whether these people can produce these numbers if we don't know them so right, to speak. Right. So, and but we put a broadcast around that, and we were sort of experimenting. It was very much beta and and almost horrendous to watch some of the broadcasts. But you've got to start somewhere. And then, once we built that confidence around integrity and verification, we we sort of were ready to open it up. But we still felt like it needed somewhat of a performance passport. So playing on that WADA biological passport, we thought that. As it stands, a lot of the data verification is around the race data itself. And if you think Mm -hmm. about racing, it only represents a fraction of what an athlete actually does. So we Mm -hmm. think that to get a really full picture or to get more confidence, we want to see the training data as well, truly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that becomes where Training Peaks comes in. We use Training Peaks as a performance passport. Um, And so... We have a number, we have about four events a week on Zwift. Just one a week, though, is what we call a verified race. So that is okay. just for people that have a Training Peaks account connected to COA Sports, essentially. So, um, and that is how it works. So we, we put it out there. We weren't sure whether people would be a bit iffy about sharing data and all those things, but um, we were, uh, how should I put it, shocked. And I think it really proved the appetite for people just to be involved in a league where they felt like there was a little bit more certainty around the results. Um, and now right, you're this de facto kind of federation, almost in a way. Sort of, yeah. We don't, we don't like our our thing. Always internally is education, not ostracization, really. So we're mm-hmm. trying to still teach people how it all sort of works. So whilst we have, we joke, we have what's called the sick bay which is for people that probably the repeat offenders. But I I think that in the main, genuinely 99% of people intend to do the right thing. But sometimes in technology, things just go a bit sideways and we try to help people understand that. And I've got some good data to actually go through. But as it stands right now, we have 800 athletes in our league verified with training peaks connected to us. That's just how how it sort of works. And 
yeah, people really like to get get involved. Yeah. So you're entering season three, is that right, in November? Yeah, yeah. So season three. So we roll on um, the daylight savings switch. We, we feel like that's a really nice um, time point to flip the season. So we're coming into more of the Northern Hemisphere style racing now. Um, and um, obviously with the uptake of subscriptions with, with the COVID uh, crisis, um, we're expecting um, some pretty big eyes on the broadcast and also participation. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're going a long ways towards helping people, you know, set goals. I mean, this is a new world where people can achieve. Um, I got to say, like, it's very exciting. I mean, (laughs) the amount of work you guys put into the broadcast with probably minimal, you know, tools is, is just so exciting. I mean, you, 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 it is literally like watching a pro race. And if you are in that race, you want to save that, you know, an archive and pass it around all your family and friends and go look at me, you know, I got fifth or whatever it was, but it just feels like a, you know, a pro race, every single event. Well, we love sport. Like we, all three of us, maybe Kappa, I should say Kent less, less so much. He's more into penguins, (laughs) but, uh, Kappa, I, I, Kent, Kent has done a remarkable job. So Kent in production, this is, he used to be a professional motorsport driver and you can imagine mm. how quick and how fast and so things go wrong in broadcast all the time with sound and all that but his ability to to fix it inside the 22 second facebook lag is quite remarkable really so it takes i'm hopeless right i i, I struggled to get my audio going for the podcast so he is that guy and greg and i sit at the front of the screen and um and uh, yeah, we call it, and yeah. it is the most direct form, instant form of interaction with potentially new client that that you could possibly have. Um, right. We obviously do a do the broadcast every week on the Training Peaks channel as well, and you know um, we push well and truly over ten thousand views each broadcast. And it's all part of it, you know. We're learning yeah. as we're going too. Yeah, that that's super cool. So, are there different types of races and? Criteriums or distances, climbing. Yeah, of course. So we 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 mix. It, it, most weeks are different courses and different lengths, um, and so we try and spread it. So you know we don't want to just favour a particular strength of a particular athlete. So we design that. Um, so our we've we've basically got a schedule now of events that that we determine up until March. So this season in our hands, and this for the first time this season we're actually doing some time trial events. So off the, off the gates and experimenting a little bit with that from our triathlon point of view and what we can do there um and um but yeah just to go back i I remember you just mentioned about five minutes ago about um the the playing field with different bits of hardware and things like that and right that 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 closing of the gap is 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 no doubt one of the biggest challenges and and so different the reality is is power meters and trainers they all have this percentage difference as well and Ultimately, every sport tries to level the playing field as much as possible. And I, I even think about just real-world cycling or triathlon. You know, if I'm out there on yeah. my, you know, on the bike course on my brand-new BMC with ceramic speed and wax chain and all the greatest thing, and then, you know, I ride past the guy on the road bike with the clip-ons, well, isn't that – you know what I mean? Like, we're all yeah. – like, you try and do as much as you can, but in the end, you know, there is going to always be a, a tiny gap. And in terms of integrity and verification, I I genuinely believe that's up to the administrators, not so much the platform. I, I still firmly believe that um, it's more up to the administrators because the problem with the platform taking control of that is that there is a conflict. 
they they are in the end they are going to have to make some hard calls on subscribers, which is which is proven to be a bridge too far. Oh. And that ultimately, you know, I think that right there is 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 a massive issue. So you, you have to let go of that and let the community, so to speak, police how they want to run their rules and regs. Right. Huh. So yeah, it's it's a tough one though. We don't like like I said, we're about education. So race one of season two, we had three hundred starters and we had 64 people racing out of cat, meaning they were racing in the wrong category right. and their watts right. per kilo was out of whack. Now, within three weeks, we had the out of cat below 10. Now, mm-hmm. that wasn't through – that was genuinely about communication and just helping people. We do our pre-season races, races without points because we right. know that in the first month with the onboarding of a bunch of new members that there is going to be people that need to learn where they're at as well so it's a bit like i liken it to say you run a cycling club and on day one you go to open your gates and there's 300 new people at the fence wanting to wanting to ride how do you think that's going to go in the first few weeks of crit yeah how do you group them right so people just kick esports because they think it's a bunch of cheats but it it really isn't there of course there are some outliers and they're dealt with right that there's clearly a pattern there and then you know that unfortunately you know that just is how you some people just require the cane from time to time but in the main we think that people are well intended yeah. So it seems like, I mean, you're, you're a big expert on this in some regard, the national federations are trying to catch up. It would seem. Yeah. It's, I, I think they need to try and catch up a bit more. My opinion is, is that e-cycling is its own discipline as like road, mountain bike, cross mm-hmm. gravel, it will have its own category and that will be realized right. soon enough. Right. And the potential for talent pathways and even young kids that live remotely that have to travel three hours to a crit, well, they can do it from their own home. And certainly there is a massive, a massive opportunity for federations to get involved. But at the moment, I still think like they're still a little gun shy because there are some scars on this sport from the early days. And um, but that will pass that yeah. that will pass. And, and, and in the end, the opportunity, I think, will overcome the fear. Well, it's definitely been a great tool to help with talent ID, you know, for the outdoor racing world, but there's going to come a day when the goal of that young athlete per se, isn't to become a pro on an outdoor, you know, pro tour team, but actually an indoor e-racing team, you know, that, that entire side of the sport has yet to, I mean, there are e-racing teams with athletes getting paid, correct? Correct. And we know from the numbers of traditional just esports online how many, I don't know, billions of dollars there probably are, you know, um, in in just esports. Uh, and that day will come whereby the the end result for a lot of these kids, you know, their their goal will be to become an esports racing legend. Um, and it may it may not be the Tour de France for some of them. I agree. You know, I agree. It's it's a it's a it's a big statement, and and obviously, um, you know, they they point towards trying to become an Olympic sport and all those sorts of things. And you've got it, you've got to have the big roadmap to, you know, as a sporting organization or anything like that, you've, you've got to have big dreams and goals and, you know, you've got to make the bullseye small because, you know, what's the, what's the point otherwise. So, you know, I, I currently, I, 
coached a number of esports athletes who just focus on e-racing and I, you know, not to coach someone inside right. the top 10 and they are also, um, in terms of rankings, and they are also a very, very handy in real life road racer. However, mm-hmm. they have worked a way or we have worked a way to, to move the seasons alternatively so we can focus on and be good at both um, because they right. can actually complement each other. So, that the pendulum is still very much in in real life racing. Clearly, um, clearly that's where it sits. But right. guess what? Twenty years is a long time, <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> a lot can change. So you know we are Absolutely. here for the long haul, and um, you have to be. Yeah. So talk to us about the training side of things. I mean, yep. we've been talking about racing, but how do you gather people from all around the world, or do you through training weekly groups, private training sessions, etc.? Any of that happening? Online? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so it started. So, to distinguish the training from, so how should I say? This? So, so, to define an esport, it, it's it's organised competition on a on a platform, right? So, the esport itself has to be the race. So, if you're training on Zwift or training on RGT, that that's not esports. That's just training on the platform. So, they're sort of two different things. But of yep. course, you train on the platform to prepare for the race, um, and that's easily done. So, there's Depending on the type of series that the athlete is training for, depending on their strength, clearly you work as a coach on on trying to make them really good at what the event is going to be, you know, um, targeted at. But we certainly use it from a training platform. You know, I remember uh, three or four years ago doing a Zoom call um, with our squad. We had 16 athletes on in eight countries and had the Zoom call and the Zwift screen up and, and away we went. And uh, that is becoming more of the norm now, right? So right, right. one of the great things with our, I suppose, our tribe of athletes is they're already conditioned to, to this style of coaching where I think I said at the start about how we're not a squad. But I suppose we do come together weekly as a squad, but albeit mm. in different corners of the globe. So um, right. it's exciting and it's and it's different and it's just... um. It just enhances that that level of connection. But I'll there's I speak a lot more in the ECS talk about the training side, so I probably don't want to overlap there too much. You know, I'll leave <laughs> for it, those that are wondering what ECS Sorry. yeah for those wondering what ECS is, it's Endurance Coaching Summit. It's uh, November 17, 18, 19 coming up. Uh, you may be listening to this, however, after those dates, but you can still register and get access to all the presentations even once it's over. But we have over twelve thousand uh, registrants now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? You know. So we'll have at least, you know, eight thousand for you show up. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Just like a broadcast, right? I wish. Absolutely. I wish. That'd but, be great. Uh, so yeah. yeah, we've got. Um, so I'm on the on Wednesday the eighteenth at in the morning there, so you can catch catch it then. And then, um, so we're actually doing also. We work this with Oriel. I suppose I can announce it now because um, I'm going to anyway. Instead of doing the, the the standard Q and A after the talk, we're doing oh, right. a, we're doing a race exclusive for, yeah. for training peaks, awesome. and that's um awesome going to be great. So at five pm PST time on the eighteenth, um, we'll be doing an esports race with a broadcast, and that'll be the Q and A. So people can you know get involved and ask a bunch of questions of things that I marked up on my talk, and away we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now looking forward to that as well. But um, yeah, we love the broadcast. Well, we we really do, and um. It's so much fun. Like we're just we're, we're always shocked at um, the, the regular audience that we get and and how rusted on people are and how much they look forward to it and when people go back and watch it and um, you know we feel like we've we're, we're getting better at it um, 
we certainly feel like uh, somewhat being an independent broadcaster is a good thing as well. So like we said, we don't take any money from Zwift itself to pay for like as a talent thing to broadcast races. We we feel like that independence of broadcasting is really important, Dirk, to call it as you see it because it is a sport, right? We're taking it seriously. So, you know, you wouldn't have Joe Buck on on the NFL payroll or you wouldn't – you've got to be able to, as a broadcaster and a commentator, really, you know, call the races and call what you see. And I think our audience knows that and that comes through. So we we want to maintain that independence certainly in the the broadcasting space. Well, back to the training side of things, I mean, I think the – I think Peloton has proven a, a, a lot of the model that yet we still have to take advantage of as more of a competitive endurance sports market. You know, Peloton, you're paying this subscription and you're you're following that persona, you know, that instructor that you really love. And they can call you out live, you know, in the moment, like, hey, Sally in Ohio, you're going too hard or pick it up or whatever, right? And we really haven't truly seen that in... I mean, you are doing it within your, you know, squad, as you mentioned. Yeah. You can you can call people out. You can lead them through. And this Peloton model, I believe, just that right there alone has great opportunity within endurance coaching um, industry itself. Agree. Um, it's still look for the, you know, the old we call it, and not to be uh, offensive, but to call it the dad test. I call it. I'm a dad. And uh, we give mm-hmm. it the dad. We give a lot of our stuff the dad test. We have a, a select yeah. group of dads that we, when we <laughs> have an idea, we run it to, and you know it's got to pass that test for it to to sort of pass in terms of us pushing it out. So, to, in terms of so Peloton has the the loop closed with the hardware right. and the software. Right. Mm-hmm. So clearly at the moment, and it's widely known that there is clearly a yep. massive hardware play at Zwift, particularly with the latest right. round of investment pushing him into a billion-dollar company. But they're mm-hmm. going to close that loop, Dirk, in terms of adding steering and adding that. And, and I think that's going to go a long way also to the integrity of racing where, you mm-hmm. know, but this could be years away. So we need to make do with what we've got and continue to grow the talent, but feed that into eventually that closing of the loop. But but you are right that there is huge opportunity um, in that space. But also in terms of a training, there's massive benefits for our athletes. Um, just in terms of just those, you know, indoor indoor training is is technically, you know, more of that winter style. And that's where people sometimes lose their way a little bit with direction, focus, motivation, all those things. Um, and any coaching business or certainly ours, we would experience coming into winter a bit of a drop in, in athletes and people would take some time off. And mm. We, we identified that over three years that we would lose about 20% of our athletes for that sort of three to four month period. And that, that to me mm-hmm. is not a very sustainable business model. So that also filled that gap. And, and, and at, at the moment, our, the drop is virtually zero. So that, that is right. good because people stay sticky. But also what we've noticed is when they come out of that phase, they're better athletes. They're, they're genuinely better athletes because they've right. been continuing to work on different areas in this space so as coaches um you need to learn how to basically not so much sell it but but help your athletes understand the benefits of why why they should get involved and and um, all that but it does need to be easier it's still to this day quite clunky um in terms of how to make it all work across different leagues so we that's always our thing about making it easy um as easy as it can be anyway so but yes there is a 
there is a breaking point for some people where the odd kicker ends up out the window or something like that. But it's, uh, <laughs> you know, technology, right? Well, you know, that you don't have to have e-racing be your goal. You can still have it be the outdoor 70.3 and, but yet take advantage of the, of what is great about the new state of indoor training, uh, where it used to just be the winter sport, but people have busy lives and a lot of folks, you know, work late and get up early and it's dark and whatever. So they can fit this 45 minutes in, you know, at 7 PM when they would rather not go outside when it's dark and get that same 45 minutes in, um, you know, even during the, the summer months, um, and, and take advantage of that. And as that loop gets closed, it gets easier for people to experience it. Then that whole Peloton model kind of starts to play out and you might have your coach there, you know, looking in and checking in on your workout. Cause it popped up on their screen that you're, you're working out right now. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. I, um, it's funny, you know, too, like I, maybe some coaches heads will wobble off and they hear me say this, but I haven't <laughs> given an FTP test for, for over 18 months now because right. I, right. I use Zwift racing. Now there is a yeah. method to that because sometimes it actually puts them, I know it's a true threshold test, but some of the, the depths that people can go to, you know, we have three Absolutely. FTPs, we have the FTP, we have the Zwift Racing FTP, and then we have the Broadcast FTP <laughs> yeah, where people absolutely. find another few percent. So, and it's just more fun. I mean, let, who likes to do, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You, I think there's something wrong if you like to do an FTP test just traditionally. So why not make it a bit more fun and, and use people around you, shared pains, half the pain, right? So. Um, I, yeah, exactly. Even before Zwift, you know, once it was race season, you know, yeah. I, I coach road cyclists. It's like criteriums and hill climbs and you had plenty of testing going on. You know, I didn't have to throw another, you know, hard, <laughs> crazy um, effort on them because um, we were getting lots of great data anyways. And as you say, competition brings out the best. Yeah, for sure. No, no doubt. No, no, no doubt. So, um, but yeah, look, you know, like I said, it's it's still got a long way to go, but um, I think it's come a long way too. I think about even you know back in the last you know two and a half years, but we've really had to refine a lot of our rules and guides as as we've gone along and, and picked up certain areas. So even just tolerances around um, categorization as well. So you know you think right. so all the categories are based on watts per kilo, right? For those that are listening that that don't know, so that puts you in basically a category A, B, C, or D. Um, but we found that some of the we think from an esports broadcasting point of view, the shorter the better. So you'll notice a lot of our races don't really exceed thirty minutes because we really mm-hmm. think that that audience likes that style of racing. But you can imagine that over a say a twenty minute race, your watts per kilo is a lot more oh on an average right. than say a forty five minute race. So we actually built in a tolerance to that, and now that's been picked up by quite a few leagues as well as to, you know, just basically understanding where the sport's at you've, you've got to be flexible um you've got to be flexible with that so don't get stuck yeah. in the mud um just yeah. understand that these things are changing a lot <laughs> so to start to wrap things up yep. what any kind of uh future big concepts or areas we may not have hit yet that where you see opportunity or you're excited um for for advancement? Look, I think the, the big one for me is that closing, so the hardware meeting the software. Uh, I think that, that mm-hmm. that's that that's a significant and a really important step. And whenever that comes, that comes. I think that now, um, 
platforms are allowing leagues like us to potentially commercialize a little more. And the reality is, is that if you can commercialize, you can resource up. And and we, you know, we right. we right. limited our resources in terms of time because, the re- like I said, coaching keeps our lights on. But if we can start to commercialize and and bring on literally staff to do verification and, and make it a, a standalone entity, I think only the standard and the delivery of service is going to go up. Um, and right. that's that's certainly our our plan over the short to medium term. And um, you know, we're we're in talks with quite a few people at the moment to do that. So yeah. that's where it really changed. Um, you know, say about follow the money without sounding too cheesy, but it does need significant investment, I think, to to really take a next step. And, um, you know, even just recently, you know, the the new WTF or yeah, the, the new league on Swift that they've um that they've just launched as well is a great thing um as well. So even Swift are getting behind stuff. So um it's all looking good. There's massive potential in broadcast, um, you know, to put some resources into that. You know, we were happy with what we put out there, but in reality, there is so much more that we could do with the broadcasts, uh, and that that requires cooperation with the platforms as well to enable us to have the tools to do that. Um, but we work with what we've got, um, and you know that can only get better. So, but yeah, yeah excited, super. Dirk. Really excited. Absolutely. Mate. Yeah, I can. It's just amazing how none of this really was there five years ago. I mean, you know, very early beginnings of it. And it's come a long ways. So, hey, Tim, how can people follow you? Yeah, so um, I just, me personally is at Tim Ballantyne on, on the social channels. But um, if you are keen in getting involved in the Color Sports League, it's free, um, apart from the subscription of Zwift itself, but it's all free. And you go through the process. You don't have to verify, by the way. So we have events that are non-verified, which are still good. We still broadcast. So you don't, if mm-hmm. you're scared of data sharing or things like that, that is fine. Um, happy to talk you through that, by the way, as well. But you just go to coasportsleague.com and jump in, get your entry in. We've got teams and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and like I said, we, we focus on the process of education. So don't be afraid. I think a lot of people are afraid still at, at dipping their toe in the water. And we're probably a nice place to start for people to um, to sort of start in, in, in a nice environment, particularly if you're on training peaks as well. So, or just go watch our broadcast, um, yeah. you know, and, and be entertained and, and have a bit yes. of a laugh along the way and um, get involved that way and make sure you give Greg plenty of feedback because he loves yeah, feedback. Yeah, those, <laughs> those commentators are, uh, are hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, Join Endurance Coaching Summit if you have any interest. It's summit.trainingpeaks.com to register. Um, and Tim, congrats on qualifying for Kona. I will be there whenever you are. So wait, let's uh, catch up on the beach next time that happens. 100%. Thanks, Dirk. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thanks for listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. For more episodes, visit trainingpeaks.com slash podcasts. Please head on over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Until next time, get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. <laughs>